from WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Kayla McCleskey. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, some Athens residents want city leaders to call for a ceasefire in the conflict between Hamas and Israel. Passing this resolution encourages the community to have dialogue on important issues. We're basically implementing something that has little to no regard to meaning, and I feel like we need to spend our time correcting the issues within this town. And an Ohio University basketball player shares his journey and growth as a leader. I'd say it's been different. Um, growing up, being vocal, being a vocal leader is something I've always had to take steps in order to improve at. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. Athens is on the list of cities in Ohio being asked to consider a resolution calling for a ceasefire in Gaza between Hamas and Israel. The outlet's Jack Green has more on the discussion surrounding the resolution. At a packed council meeting, residents give their input on a resolution to urge state and federal officials to call for an immediate ceasefire in the region and an end to U.S. funding of the war. Passing this resolution encourages the community to have dialogue on important issues we're basically implementing something that has little to no regard to meaning, and I feel like we need to spend our time correcting the issues within this town. The draft resolution was submitted by Councilmember Michael Wood after residents proposed the resolution at last week's council meeting. But a legal opinion issued by the city's assistant law director on the draft says adopting such a resolution is inappropriate. It says the council has never adopted such a resolution and says by nature, resolutions are intended only for issues in local government. Council members Solveig Spialnez and a number of council members agreed with the opinion and seemed reluctant to get involved. I am convinced that we should not pass any resolution for two major reasons. Our, our job as a council is to pass legislation that improves the lives of our residents in a responsible way. Passing any such resolution will be divisive inspire fear, and undermine inclusion and harmony of our community. A vote on the resolution is expected at next Monday's council meeting. Reporting for the outlet, I'm Jack Green in Athens. A group of Ohio University students look to increase plant growth in space. Outlet reporter Rosie Wong speaks with them about the science. Ten teams of students at Ohio University have been hard at work creating experiments. Using 250 RPM? 250, yeah. 28 degrees Celsius. And now, one lucky group is getting the chance to test their experiment out a little far from home. It feels almost surreal. I mean... Nathan Smith says this is the chance of a lifetime. I mean, we're sending something to space. That's such a big deal. Smith and his team beat the nine other teams to secure a spot for their experiment abroad the International Space Station. It's part of the Students' Spaceflight Experiments Program, a national education initiative for students in STEM. Victoria Swiler, another member on the team, says their experiment. In easier terms, we are um, looking at this strain of bacteria that was found on the International Space Station a few years ago. And the researchers that studied it found that it had certain properties, um, just based on looking at its genes, that might enhance the growth of plants. And because this bacteria is already adapted to spaceflight, we thought um, when we're growing plants in space for food that adding this bacteria might enhance the growth in spaceflight and therefore actually studying the effect of this bacteria on plants in spaceflight could 
help us look at uh, potential ways to increase plant growth in space. From looking through a microscope to using an incubator, the team is seeing their efforts sprouting before their very eyes. And these are what our plants look like right now. They're really small. <laughs> Swiler says working together made this experience even better. I feel like we all learned a lot from each other. Our graduate student facilitator was really great um, in teaching us like everything from experiment design to writing the proposal. But what made this out of this world dream a reality? Smith says it's courage. Be open to it. Uh, if you don't take that first step and sign up for the project, it's going to get you nowhere. That, uh, just being creative, being a good team player, being able to do research effectively is a really big part. This semester, the students will continue to refine their project to prepare for a possible September launch date. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Rosie Wong in Athens. Valentine's Day for international students at a high university isn't always spent with friends and families. The Outlet's Betty Cancumboda reports on how students make the most of the holiday. Valentine's Day is a foreign concept we have embraced wholeheartedly in my country, Ghana. For us, it is an opportunity to tap into a universal celebration of love, whatever that looks like to you, and we sure do not take it for granted. Red becomes prominent in the market spaces and streets to celebrate the day. Red teddy bears and red artificial roses become familiar sights. Street vendors stock up on chocolate in all flavors because the day is also set aside to promote Ghana's chocolate and cocoa industry. For the first time, I spent Valentine's Day away from my country, and these things I have described bring many nostalgic memories. But I am not the only one who observed Val's Day, as we call it, away from home. Many international students at Ohio University celebrated the day away from their families and loved ones. I asked a few about what they would have done if they were back home. Okay, my name is Esther Efriye. I am from Ghana. I'm not closer to my husband. My husband is in Ghana and I am here. So whilst we were dating, we didn't really take vows day seriously. I have never bought a vows gift for him. So when we got married, I told myself, okay, this is the right time. So for our first vows day, I'm going to really surprise him with gifts. We'll just have fun and spend some quality time together. But right after two weeks of our marriage, I got admission to Ohio University and then I had to come. So this vows day, I don't know, we might just um, have a video call, talk about ourselves and then laugh about certain things. So yeah, I'm alone here. I'm Noor, I'm from Lebanon, I'm in the U.S. to do my master's. I miss sitting with my son uh, on Valentine's Day, asking him about the cute girls he has in class and if he's going to give them any Valentine's cards and getting to know more about that part of his life because he's 10. Um, I also miss like getting letters from him on Valentine's Day because the last letter I got was... Um, like crumbled up because he was so shy and it only says like, I love you mommy, I love you mommy, I love you mommy. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna have that this year. It makes me very sad and it breaks my heart. 
So my name is Victoria Maranova, um, and as my surname suggests, I was originally born in Eastern Europe, in Bulgaria. But when I was eight years old, my family immigrated to South Africa, so that's where I grew up. So back home, which is South Africa in this case, it was very common to uh, show appreciation for different people in your life that you care for or love. During Valentine's Day, it wasn't kind of just segmented for like, your better half or like you know that romantic relationship that you must you might have which i think typically is more common here and so uh one of the things that i really uh miss and i often wonder if i, I don't know if i should do it here and how people will take it is um when i was at work um on valentine's day you would come to your office and there would be like things left on your desk from your colleagues like you know, like a little chocolate or a cookie and with a little note, like happy Valentine's Day, you know, like thanks for being a good colleague or whatever. And then I would do the same for my colleagues. I would like write little notes, leave them little goodie, you know, just to acknowledge, uh, you know, that relationship. And I really love doing that. Well, it sounds like there wasn't much going on for these ladies. But one thing that we do best as international students is to adapt and make new traditions. So hopefully the story changes next year. For WOUB, I am Betty Kankambuidu. Hard work, leadership, togetherness. Ohio Bobcat senior basketball player Miles Brown is someone who values these attributes. Outlet reporter Darius Sethna speaks with Brown about his growth and career with the green and white. Miles, great to see you. Thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you for having me. Um, I want to get started with your early days. You come from Rochester, New York to Athens, Ohio, and you've earned the nickname Downtown Miles Brown for your prolific three-point shooting. You've hit over 123s in your career. Can you tell me how that name came across the first time you remember hearing that name and what was it like for you? Yeah, downtown Miles Brown. I think the first time I heard the name was for, actually from my mom and my dad. I'm so locked in and focused on the game that I'm playing that I don't really hear anything that's going on on the loudspeaker or anything like that. And I guess I hit a couple threes and uh, the commentator just said, downtown Miles Brown one time. And then after the game, my parents said, hey, downtown, jokingly. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, they, that's what they say after you hit a three now. You're now one of the elder statesmen. You're kind of overseeing this younger group, helping this group develop. What has that role specifically been like for you this year? Um, I'd say it's been different. Um, growing up, being vocal, being a vocal leader is something I've always had to take steps in order to improve at. So uh, being the fifth year senior, the guy everybody looks up to, I know the words to say. I just have to step out of my comfort zone and express them to my teammates who believe in me and trust me, trust the words I'm saying. So I'm still getting out of my shell and just holding guys accountable and uh, being there to support my guys vocally as well. So look out on this court, the convo, and all the memories you've made, all the success that you've had. If you could sum up, Miles, what this program means to you in one word, what would it be and why? Um, I'd say a brotherhood, really. Everybody just wants to win. Everybody has one goal in their mind, is just to get better as a team and get closer as a team together every day. I think each team that I've been through since my freshman year has done an excellent job of that. Everybody's been hands on deck and fighting towards winning that MAC championship, which is ultimately our end goal. Uh, and Miles, great seeing you again. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Brown and the Bobcats continue their postseason push. The MAC tournament is scheduled to begin on March 14th, 
with the championship game set for March 16th. Reporting from Athens, I am Darius Sethna for The Outlet. Allison Patton, a reporter for The Post, Ohio University's independent student-run newspaper, recently reported on the shortage of affordable housing options in Athens. So Allison, in your article you talk about the lack of affordable housing options. What did you find specifically? Yeah, so there's not a whole lot of housing available. Affordable housing is considered 30% of your yearly income. I spoke with Shay Myers, and he is on the Affordable Housing Commission for the City Council, and he said that you're just not going to find affordable housing for that. So the city's kind of looking into a couple projects that might expand affordable housing and build more housing for people. What obstacles has Athens faced in trying to provide affordable housing in the past? Yeah, so back in 2019, the city council had passed an ordinance for affordable housing to be built at University Estates, which is a neighborhood, and it would have added 42 more houses. But then the pandemic hit and the project cost skyrocketed and it was almost three times the original amount. So in 2019, it was estimated to be $750,000. In 2023, when they estimated the cost, it had grown to almost three times the amount. So what is Mayor Patterson doing to address this now, and why is this such an important issue for him? Mayor Patterson came here as a professor in 1998, I believe, and they rented for about 10 years before they could find the house that they're currently living in at an affordable price. The affordable housing issue in Athens is kind of a sensitive topic to him, and he and the Affordable Housing Commission of the city are looking into building up at the Ridges, uh, which is owned by Ohio University, but portions of the property have been transferred to a new community authority, which will allow the city to build and create affordable small homes for people. And if the project goes through, they see almost up to 700 new housing units. And you just mentioned the Affordable Housing Commission. Who are they and what are they doing now? So the Affordable Housing Commission is city council's, like, commission for affordable housing. They really got hit hard by COVID, so they haven't been super active, but they're starting to get going again. That was Allison Patton from The Post. Post reporter Paige Fisher recently looked into Athens' latest medical facility. So, how is the medical center being constructed, Paige? So, essentially, the rooms for the medical center were built in these module-type constructions in Pennsylvania, and then were shipped to Athens and are now being put together like Lego bricks, and that's how the whole thing's being constructed. That is very interesting, but... How was the idea of the medical center initiated? So the CEO of Memorial Health Systems, Scott Cantley, actually came to Mayor Steve Patterson and the city service director, Andy Stone, and brought this idea to them saying it'll bring jobs. And he wanted to just put the medical facility in Athens on Columbus Road, and they ended up doing it. (laughs) Awesome. And then I guess still speaking of jobs, What other opportunities will come from the new medical center being built? So it will bring in 160 new jobs into the city. And with that, the average salary from the surgeons to the custodial staff, the average salary will be about $130,000, which will help contribute to the city's general revenue fund through income taxes in the city. And your article mentions that the center isn't like a hospital. Why is that? Right. So it's 
not considered a hospital because they do not have inpatient care. They only have an emergency department and physician offices on the third and fourth floors. And then when is the medical center expected to be done? So according to the mayor, it is actually expected to be complete here soon, sometime in April. That was Paige Fisher from The Post. The past two segments are part of a collaboration between Ohio University's longest-running independent student-run newspaper and WOUB Public Media. The reporting was done by The Post, and the audio is brought to you by the production team at WOUB. To read Allison and Paige's full stories, visit thepostathens.com. A mix of spring and winter weather conditions has made its way to southeast Ohio. WOUB lead forecaster Emily Dietz explains how the region should prepare for rain, snow, and more. So Emily, hope you had a good Super Bowl weekend. I definitely enjoyed mine, but I think we're now starting to get that mix of like winter and like spring weather now. So what can you tell us about that? For sure. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I always remember in the past kind of seeing these weather patterns like beginning of March and now we're seeing them into February, and I'm glad it's at least not the gray, slushy snow on the side of the curb where it's a little slippery outside and everything's just kind of dreary. So at least we have that going for us, although I do miss the snow. I don't know about you. I like it when it's just like an inch of snow, just to where it's like not like pouring snow for like a day or so, and then I have to like, it's a whole ordeal thing, <laughs> but... What can you say about the weather for right. this weekend? Well, this week, uh, we may see some snow flurries, actually, Friday night into Saturday. However, we're not expecting a big snowfall or a lot of inches of snow falling on top of each other. Because really, this week, the week of the 12th, we kind of fluctuate in the 40s a little bit. Have a bit of a cold front sort of moving through as we enter the weekend. So on Friday into Saturday, we're going to have a cold front sort of push in. And that's what's going to bring us that sort of mixed precipitation between rain and snow. Uh, really just depending on what time of the day it falls because we're looking in the late evening, early morning hours, which is when it's coldest outside, so you may see some snow flurries. But then as the day goes into Sunday, we'll see things start to clear up and warm up, so we're not really expecting any of that snow to really hang around at all. And then going into next week on Monday, we're looking at being back in the 50s. So our little groundhog friend was kind of right with leaping into spring here. You know, we're going to see these 50-degree temperatures starting next week after a cold weekend ahead of us. So hopefully your weekend plans uh, aren't going to be outside too much because it will be pretty chilly. Ohio University's basketball teams played their first matchups in the MAC SBC Challenge. Sports director Aiden Crowley explains how the challenge is a good descriptor. So Aiden, the MAC and Sunbelt Challenge just started up over the weekend, and our men's and women's team didn't have the outcome that we were all expecting, but what can you tell us about the men's game first? You're right, Caleb. The men came into this game, winners of four straight, six of their last seven. It seemed like they were really starting to turn a corner. And unfortunately, they kind of ran into a buzzsaw down there in Jonesboro, Arkansas. They took on Arkansas State. And like you mentioned, the Mac and Sunbelt Challenge, they do a little home and away series now. So it was the men's turn to go on the road at Arkansas State. And they lost that one 100-87. to Giving up 100 points obviously is not going to win you too many ball games. And simply put, Arkansas State got whatever they wanted on offense. There was not much pushback from the Bobcats on that end. They played pretty solid. 87 points typically in a college basketball game is enough to get the job done. But when the opposing team shoots 64% from the field, 
50% from behind the arc, it's tough to win ball games that way. They were driving really well, penetrating the Bobcat defense and kicking it out to open shooters. And simply put, like I mentioned before, they were just getting any shot they wanted. And that's something that A.J. Clayton harped on on this winning streak is how well this defense has been playing as of late. And unfortunately, it felt like they kind of took a step back in this one. And it doesn't get any easier for them. As they hit the road, they're going to go to Toledo and take on a really good Rocket team and probably one of the toughest places to play in the MAC. That and Kent State, take your pick. Either way, the Bobcats picked up the big win at Kent State. They're going to have to try and do it again at Toledo Friday night at 9 p.m. in a nationally televised game on ESPNU. So the lights are going to be bright. There's a lot of hype around this game, especially with how Ohio's been playing recently in conference. And as always, you always have to look at where the standings are. Toledo's above you, and you know you just want to keep trying to climb. So they keep stacking wins. We'll see what they'll be doing over in Toledo again Friday at 9 p.m. That'll definitely be a challenge for our men's team. But what about our women's team when they took on Bowling Green? Yeah, Caleb, again, the women were in a similar spot if you flash back a week ago where they were starting to stack some wins back-to-back. They earned three wins in a row, and unfortunately, like you mentioned, the Bowling Green game made it three losses in a row for this team. They dropped that one 69-52, a really good Bowling Green team, I should say. And this freshman trio for Ohio continues to find production But they're just really young, really raw right now. And a bright spot for the Bobcats in this game was Jaya McClure coming back into the lineup post-injury. She was able to contribute a little bit for this Bobcat team, which was obviously a bright spot for Bob Bolden in this team. She was able to play 25 minutes on the court, a little bit rusty, 3-for-8 from the field. But just having her presence back there, she's only a sophomore, but it feels like everybody kind of turns to her because she's one of the most experienced people on the court. And so this Ohio team is... Still, a team that's young, and it seems like they're still kind of trying to figure stuff out. Bob Bolden, after the game, was really just talking about he wants to see more intensity down the stretch in these games because there's not a lot left, and you're on the bubble for the MAC tournament, so they have to try and find a way to turn around quickly. But unfortunately, when you have such a young team, it's tough to do that. And we saw that again in their fourth straight loss against Texas State in the MAC Sunbelt Challenge. They didn't have to go to Texas State. They uh, went on the road previously in the year. They traveled to Appalachian State. That was their Sunbelt out-of-conference game. So they hosted this one in the Convo. And similar to other losses in the year, it really was the third quarter. That was the kryptonite for this Bobcat team against the Texas State Bobcats. Uh, they were outscored in that quarter 23-12. to And that was the difference in the game. A uh, shout-out has to go out to freshman Lele Fantroy, who has recently inserted herself into the starting lineup. She dropped a career-high 24 points in the matchup. So, again, the production's there from the freshman. They're just raw right now. They're still trying to figure it out, and it doesn't get any easier for this team. They will host the top team in the MAC, Ball State, who has just one MAC loss this season, and they can put up numbers. They can score the basketball, and it's going to be a tough uphill fight for this Bobcat team who have, like I mentioned, lost four in a row, but something has to give in this game. It's just not exactly the team you want to see rolling into town when you're not exactly clicking right now. So we'll see what Bob Bolden and this Bobcat team has planned for Ball State, but it's going to be a tough challenge. That game, February 17th at 1. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The outlet is produced each week by me, Kevin McCleskey. We're edited by Tish Baidia 
Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Enjoy our show? Tell a friend to give us a listen. They can subscribe to the outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcast, or find us online at woub.org. They can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore woub and Instagram at newswatch underscore woub. We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio.